So I think a tie was a perfectly cromulent outcome. NFL. We're down a man this week, but we've got a lot of blowouts to talk about. Hey, we got Connor here and we got Ronan. Hello. Are you getting on any crack? Ah, not too bad. Just standing there in Cork and busy at work as we come up with the release that I'm mostly just involved in the testing of. At the weekend, enjoyed the uh, Irish victory over the All Blacks. Pretty impressive performance from the Irish rugby team. Time to get hyped just in between the two World Cups. Also managed to catch Dune over the weekend, which was very interesting. If you like something a bit more sombre or interesting, then I definitely think it's worth a look. Kind of the, a good mix between like a modern action film and yeah. the more moody, arty piece, you know, kind of an interesting contrast. Very good, a bit, a bit different from what you'd get on the other days. Yeah, no, that that, that sounds good. Now, yeah, I did the, uh, I did the Lord of the Rings marathon on the weekend, which was uh, very exciting. It's been a while since I've seen all the films, and although being in the cinema for that long is, uh, it's an interesting experience. The smells can start to add up after nine or ten hours. But, uh, <laughs> pr- I think that's the food, and not uh, making some comments about the uh, average Lord of the Rings fan. No, actually, because it started out fine. It was just more like. Really Realistically, if, we, if you've got a lot of people in a room for 10 hours and <laughs> they're eating and drinking and it was a nice, it was a nice one. So like some people were, were hammering away at beers and stuff as well. So like it was good fun though. Like everyone was cheering at the right moments and laughing. So it was, it was enjoyable. And then uh, obviously garden and football on Sunday. So that was fun. Oh, and obviously Sean, as you mentioned in the last one, he's, he's left us for New York, New York, New York. New York. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's not going to get to see an NFL game, but he is going to get to see Hamilton at an NBA game and have a bit of fun. So hope you enjoy yourself over there Sean we'll fly into it crime and punishment what are they doing it's probably felonies Minnesota running back Dalvin Cook is being sued for domestic violence by his former girlfriend Grayson Trimble this is in relation to an altercation that happened in Cook's house after she apparently illegally entered the home. There was a lot of controversy over this, particularly because Adam Schefter, when he broke the news of this, framed it almost entirely as a self-defense and extortion. It was kind of a... The kind of a, a, an immediate leap to judgment to defend the player, which some people were a little bit questioning about. Trimble has released text photos of injuries that are allegedly from the incident. There is some, I believe, cell phone video as well of some elements of it, or possibly that was another incident. But yeah, so there's a big question marks over what happened here. Yeah, just kind of a bit of a bit of a horrible situation all around. I, I think it is agreed by all parties that she did enter the house illegally. I think she had something for the garage door that she kind of used, presumably from the time that they were in a relationship okay. together. And then they had a confrontation. But everything after that point is what is up for you know consideration in these the lawsuit being taken forward by Miss Trimble and the lawsuit taken forward by Cook as well. So you know it's really just a situation where she's claiming that. Uh, you know, she probably, sh- you know, made some shouting or whatever like that. And then he got violent and beat her up. And he's saying that he was acting in self-defense, that he was uh, threatened by a firearm. I don't know if she had the, like, you know, if she was sh- slinging the firearm, but certainly a threat was made, according to the cook uh, and his lawyers. And also that, I think she pepper sprayed him. Yeah, uh, during yeah. Yeah, pepper sprayed or maced him during this incident. So... Obviously, the circumstances around what actually happened in the room is really what will come down to, you know, how this ends up getting resolved in the courts or could obviously could end up in a settlement just because it'd be easier for Dalvin Cook in that situation. But yeah, I think, you know, as you mentioned, probably the biggest issue with this in terms of the controversy was that, you know, this is obviously a 
to a certain extent, he say she says type situation. But Dalvin Cook is an NFL running back with access to insiders via his representatives, and they were very keen to get out as quickly as possible and give information to people like Adam Schefter and to other people, I, I believe, and to kind of get the story going the right way for their client. I think based on what we know right now, it's almost certainly true that Davin Cook did get violent with Miss Trimble. Whether that was justified or not, and we'll leave aside the moral side of justified, legally justified or not, is the big question here. And right now, it's very hard to know. Like the video that you referenced is, you know, there's definitely her saying things that could be seen as threatening, but you don't see any of the actual action happening so yeah it's quite ambiguous so look like if i was a, if i was to look at what's the most likely outcome i think this will probably get settled out of court uh, i don't think i don't think cook wants to go to a court battle if he can avoid it but you know in terms of the moral outcome i don't think this will have much of an effect of him in terms of playing time or stuff like that more crime and punishment uh, former las vegas head coach john gruden has said he's going to sue the nfl for damages after what he's called a soviet style character assassination from the selective leaking of the washington football team emails used to damage his reputation and force him out of a job which is code for no i definitely did say all those horrible and racist things but you shouldn't have told people i did that and i want money now please the nfl is denying everything about it including that they were the source of the leaked documents which then showed all of gruden's horrible comments with the previous uh, washington football team president bruce allen the, the the big problem here is that he's not denying that he said the things he's just saying well, you shouldn't have leaked it or let people know that I was saying these things. If anything, we've mentioned this beforehand, so I can see John Gruden, he's probably now not going to get hired by anyone for anything anytime soon, so he probably just wants to try and get a bit of money out of it. And then additionally, we also have the fact that this kind of did come across a bit strangely. This is a giant investigation into the Washington football team, and what's been leaked is a head coach of another... (laughs) team's messages rather than like the rest of the stuff about the Washington football team that we can only presume from things that are already out in the media is as bad if not worse but that stuff isn't really making headlines so this is almost positive for them that uh, John Gruden will keep it focused on what he said and not what's not been said about what other people said. For me you know the most interesting thing about this if it does proceed the court which once again I'm not that convinced will actually happen I think a settlement will be made again here is that of course that there'll be lots of discovery and documents that will have to be handed over perhaps by the NFL in relation to this incident and that was probably where for us as outside observers would be most interesting like look no one denies the facts John Gruden was a piece of shit in these emails and deserved to lose his job that's basically a fait accompli it's done and I don't get anyone to defend him there I think in terms of him you know intimating that the NFL and Roger Goodell specifically wanted to oust him from his job based on these and they selectively leaked. That's not an implausible theory either, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what, what, why there would be animus between John Gruden and the NFL specifically, or perhaps Mark Davis wants to get out of the contract. I don't know, like there's lots of conspiracies going around, but like, look, this is a situation where obviously uh, John Gruden will say that this was done in a very selective target way, and therefore he is owed damages from this. For me personally, if this had all the emails been leaked or more of them being leaked or more correspondence being leaked from the NFL, that would be good because, mm-hmm. yeah, like obviously what happened to John Gruden was fine, but I think there's a lot of stuff that happened in those emails and a lot of people who were affected, you know, the reason that investigation happened in the first place, you know, the people like the cheerleaders, people like former employees, they deserve to have access to those emails, see what's actually going on. So if this brings us one step forward to having more of that happen, then I don't really have a big problem with it. And it really is just a case of, you know, everyone's an asshole here. So I don't really mind if they take money off each other. Yeah. Yeah, there's not much more else to it, really. It's just John Gruden's a prick and he wants some money. So, yeah, fair enough. Transactions 
big news in the transaction market, I suppose, was Carolina re-signing quarterback Cam Newton to come back. And everyone was expecting that he wouldn't play in the um, in the game as he was only signed on Thursday. But he did come in and he scored two touchdowns in a part-time role. Kind of a lot of the goal line work was done with him. This is an interesting one, given that the organization so publicly moved away from Cam and actually at the moment are paying for both Cam's replacement and Cam's replacement's replacement in that they are still paying the Teddy Bridgewater contract and the Sam Darnold contract while now re-signing Cam Newton. Nice to see him back getting a job. I don't think the I don't think the phone was ringing off the hook for him beforehand, but he did look pretty good in the few bits he was in there for. I do think he looked relatively limited in some of what he was doing with the New England Patriots last year, but also I'm not necessarily sure that his style of play fits the way that Bill Belichick wants to run an offense anyway. No, it's good to, good to see him picked up, and it was, uh, it was quite exciting to see him on the big screen running in that touchdown. Yeah, like I don't know who had the upper hand in this negotiation, let's be honest, because Carolina's quarterback situation is an absolute shit show but as you mentioned cam newton has been sitting on the shelf for over half a season so he's hardly you know getting a lot of opportunities out there to start so it's definitely just a situation where two uh, parties who broke up are suddenly realizing uh maybe things weren't so bad together maybe you just get back together for a little bit see if this works out see where it goes and uh, this week he is getting starting snaps at practice so i think that's setting up the expectation that he will be the starter going forward over pj walker and yeah in his part-time role he had you know two touchdowns in the the goal line kind of classic cam one running uh, with the first one and then the other one because he's a running threat the, they basically got the easy play action um so you know he said i'm back when he scored the first goal kind of in very <laughs> in very uh i don't know if taunting but he certainly got the flag for uh for his conduct but like look to be fair for a, for a situation like him to have been kicked to the road by uh, a team that obviously he'd invested a lot of his personality into and have them come back and make a positive contribution for a team that's certainly still in the playoff hunt I think it seems to be a win-win situation for both and you know given what they're getting out of Sam Darnold it's hard to see how much worse he can be than what they already had there Oh, 100%, 100%. And Cleveland also extended their guard, Joel Batonio, three years, 48 million. Just makes sense. He's been playing well for them. They're a run-first team. They want to keep some solidity in that line. Goes with the Wyatt signing they made there. And they're obviously hold, you know, investing a lot of money in their offensive line. Uh, we'll see what effect it has when they get to like other contracts like Baker Mayfield. But you know, first outing for the uh, newly paid guards wasn't great, as we'll talk about in the reviews. But uh, like they've shown enough that we trusted that that's a good line to be building around. We'll move on to some of the injuries from this week. So uh, I'll run through some of the more serious kind of season-ending or kind of long-term ones. Washington football team lose defensive end Chase Young to an ACL injury for the season and Ryan Fitzpatrick has now been confirmed he's going to miss the entire season with that hip injury from earlier on. The Rams lose Robert Woods. They just signed Obel Beckham Jr. so at least they had some coverage there. Green Bay lose Whitney Merciless to a bicep injury. Uh, Aaron Jones has an MCL injury so he's one to three weeks and Rashawn Gary is week to week with an elbow injury. The Vegas Raiders lose fullback Alec Ingold to an ACL for the season. And on the slower end of things TJ Watt has a knee injury so he's week to week for Pittsburgh's so is Kevin Dalton and Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, but he's COVID, but they're all kind of week to week uh, with Dotson, I think, through to six weeks. Atlanta, they're pretty much offense. Corderell Patterson has an ankle sprain and is out for <laughs> one to three weeks, so that's a problem. And Tennessee, Julio Jones, they're constantly in and out and is he injured is he not injured he's now been put on short term IR so he's out for at least three weeks so we'll start at the top of these Washington's defense looked bad this year they look good this week it looks more like what you'd expect obviously losing Chase Young is going to hurt that but this is a dead season anyway there's still a chance because the NFC is a bit of a mess but overall I think the probability that they were going to make the playoffs was pretty slim Dallas have that division and the wild card there's so many fighting there that 
you know, by yeah. force of probability, you're not going to get it probably. So, look, the defense has definitely improved over the last month, considering how terrible it was for the first like third of the season. And I think that's good to see. But I think Chase Young, we know he's a incredibly talented player. Obviously, won Defensive Rookie of the Year last year, and he's a a force both as a pass rusher, but also in the run and just being a physical freak. So, I think definitely going to be a loss for them. But the defensive line is probably their deepest position. So, I don't expect that they'll like get super bad or kind of hopefully not revert back to where they were early this season i think they've whatever improvements they made hopefully schematically mean that this isn't the you know yeah. they're going to revert to being the worst and look we wanted fit magic to play this year but it, you know i think we've kind of seen the writing on the wall all the news that's been coming out over the weeks has been pretty bad and yeah it looks like taylor heineke will be the starting quarterback for the washington team going forward robert woods yeah. big loss he is, yeah. They're like that, that was that was that was a very explosive. Like, look, they've got OBJ in there, but he's new in. They're not exactly the exact same type of player. And like, part of the reason you liked OBJ was that he was entering this mix of wide receivers. And the loss of Woods, while he's not their lead guy, he was still what six hundred and fifty yards or something so far this season. Like, he's been good. Yeah, and especially in in the last month or so, he had a quiet start because Cooper Cup was eating up all the yards. But he's definitely improved as the season's gone on. And now to get an ACL tear that they found like midweek before the games even happened was unusual. But yeah, bittersweet to say because they had OBJ coming in. Hopefully, they didn't get something out of him. But uh, more pressure on either OBJ or Van Jefferson to step up and provide uh, you know someone to take some of the pressure away from Cooper Cup for Green Bay. Look, Aaron Jones is a huge miss, even if it's only for a few weeks. But uh, we saw that AJ Dillon, while a very different type of running back can be also a very effective running back and then the kind of defensive end edge help that they've been looking to get when they got winning versus in already over Rashawn Gary is now missing some time like they're yeah, they've just seemed to have lots of kind of injury concerns on that defensive line we'll see how their defense continues to get through it because it has definitely been improved over the last while compared to earlier in the season and hey look fullbacks are people too and Alec Ingold's one of the best fullbacks there and Vegas run a very fullback orientated scheme relatively speaking so that is a pretty big loss I think for them and they're a team that definitely can't afford any more losses either on or or off the field in terms of personnel or games and uh yeah definitely concerned there as for the other ones yeah just as you Cordell Patterson I think they're saying probably just missed this week and TNF it's just too short of a turnaround they're hoping to get him back after that and then TJ Watt is expected to fight through Minka Fitzpatrick obviously if he gets two uh, negative tests uh he'll be able to play and then Julio Jones I think you know we kind of expected this really at this point Put him on ice. You're pretty much going to make the playoffs in Tennessee. You're, you're pretty much home and dry. See what you get out of your other guys and then hopefully get him back, him and Henry back for the playoffs. And then that could be a pretty frightening prospect for the rest of the AFC. Yeah. Especially if they got that bye, if they finished. Those guys coming in fresh uh, would be uh, <laughs> somewhat worrying. Yeah, no, I suppose we'll take a look over at the games from last week then. So first up, we have Tampa Bay at Washington, 19-29, to a big surprise here. Washington converted early turnovers into points and just kind of had long, slow, grueling drives. Left them with a lead 6-16 to at the half. Tampa Bay started their comeback, but then they kind of killed it off with a 10-minute drive against them again. Heineke was boring, but got the job done, 270 yards and a touchdown. And Gibson was really kind of the, the, the motor there, 78 yards and two touchdowns. Brady just looked a little bit off, particularly for someone who's traditionally very good coming off a bye week. This was not a great performance. 220 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions. And the two interceptions were not like 
great. <laughs> they weren't just kind of like, ah, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, no worries. Like, they were not good ones at all. There was a two-to-one time of possession for Washington in this, so, like, there was never really much of a chance for Tampa Bay to get back into it. But it is a little bit worrying when you compare this to, say, last year, where coming off the bye around this period they came out and they just didn't lose a game from that point onwards and they looked sharp and they looked ready to go down the stretch whereas this time they looked all over the shop to a certain extent like it just this is not a game they should have lost and this is not a way that they should be coming in off a bye week and playing they definitely were caught cold here i don't know what's happening there like like let's let's be fair like you know washington have a good defensive line in theory so obviously that that put him under a bit of pressure but like those early mistakes those fairly interceptions i'm not i didn't really see anything that would make you believe that they made sense that like somehow they were you know kind of induced it just seemed to be a situation where he made a mistake he, he didn't know what he's communicating and like that to be fair they are missing uh, antonio brown they are missing rob Gronkowski. chris godwin is dealing with an injury he probably wasn't playing at full health uh, mike evans is in full health in theory but he's always he's always carrying some knock or another so you know the offense isn't where it was in that you know early like you know late last year or early this year where they have all those weapons and it's an impossible choice for any defense it's very much you know going through kind of a mid uh, season spoon and they're having to rely on guys like johnson darden and Brait to kind of help them out but despite that of course you know you still expect him to win a game against a Washington team that's been spending most of its time being bad this year like there's a reason that they only had two wins up to this game yeah it just kind of felt like if they'd come out early Tampa Bay and got an early lead this would have been a kind of a cakewalk but because Tom Brady threw those two early picks gave Washington a sniff of hope got them to get a lead that gave them the confidence that they needed to kind of get back into shape and get Heineke playing clean and not having to play from behind and make loads of mistakes which has really been his biggest problem this year and they finally got Antonio Gibson going um, it took him a while though you'd expect it against the really good Tampa Bay run defense but as he got into the game further and further you could see his confidence go up you could see those like uh, one two yard gains turn into five eight ten yard gains and then you know they put all the confidence in him at the end of the game fourth and one to, to basically put it out of reach rather than getting the field goal and making it a, a touchdown game uh, with a minute left they went no way we're taking this game off the road and they give it to Gibson uh, fourth and one he goes in for the touchdown for a, yeah. you know, for, for for the game so for me like Washington they were a team obviously last year that you know made a pretty fantastic comeback after being pretty crap for the first half of last year I'm not sure I'm seeing quite that this year like I think there's definitely bigger issues here but like look like if Heineke plays at this level if Gibson gets back to being healthy at uh you know the defense continues to you know continue to improve and get away from its terrible start to the season then maybe they could be a factor but for Tampa Bay I don't know like to a certain extent they need to just get off the pot they need to work harder and they need to make sure they don't take any team for granted because you can't afford to do that this season it's just kind of a crazy season and yeah I think their defense in particular is a bit of an issue with that secondary so banged up uh the sooner they can get their their starters back there probably the the quicker we'll see them get back to the form we expect. But even given that, you'd still expect them to win these games, even with all those injuries. So, oh, yeah. yeah. I, like, I must say, it, it, was, it was nice to see the kind of return of Riverboat Ron with that fourth down move. Like, you know, that kind of... Just imagine that the fucking memes the following day of people just going like, like just pictures of Tom Brady with 58 seconds left and it being within six points and being like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy that Washington said, fuck it, we're just going to go for it. We're just going to go for it. Yeah. And Three points they... is as good as six points. So yeah. fuck it, why not? And they won this game by keeping the ball away from Tampa Bay, so why not do it one last time to secure yeah. the win? No, exactly. Next up was the 
most compelling and possibly worst <laughs> of the games that we watched. This week was not a great week for games because there was a lot of blowouts. Detroit at Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, this was, we were in the pub and the whole place was going mad for this one. Grim, mistakes, true, and terrible piece of crap game. Pittsburgh have two fumbles. Detroit, uh, sorry, two overtime fumbles. Uh, Detroit miss a, a field goal in overtime. But they're tied, so they're not going to be the first 0-17 team. They're just going to be 0-16-1, and uh, though I'm sure they're due to win a game at some point. Both teams struggled heavily with the kind of backup quality quarterback play. Mason Rudolph was 278 yards, a touchdown, an interception. Goff was 114. Like, they did okay with decent enough running games. Detroit had a big running game, 229, six yards per carry. But, like, it was just so... So anemic and limp to watch, like, because we're very excited for the Lions and we're getting into it for that. But like, there was five straight punts to end regulation. No one wanted to win this, like, at all. It was, and no one seemed to have it in them to do it. Even when there was mistakes, they weren't being capitalized on by the other side. Even the final play of the game, where the guys kind of did a little bit of like throwing it around and trying to keep it live, they could have literally just ran out of bounds two seconds uh, with, with a second or two left on the clock because they were at the sideline they decided to just dick around with it for a bit and just try for a long field goal but they're like nope not gonna take that risk we'll take the tie we'll get out of here with that the biggest one is just like we were i was joking about this before the game that maybe having ben not there wasn't necessarily a negative that they might net out to the good if someone else was playing i had forgotten that rudolph was the backup and he's not very good <laughs> but yeah big ben i suppose is maybe still their best option in the building at the moment but they need to change who they have in that building everything is forgiven big ben except for that thing you know what i'm talking about mm. anyway uh like look this is a game that was grim that was uh, sodden that was easy to forget in retrospect but as you say was a interesting moment in time effectively as it was actually happening you know two teams where you know you have two let's be honest probably backup level quarterbacks neither of these guys are gonna be starters in the nfl for the long term getting most of the support that you need to be successful as a backup you know both of the run games were very successful in particular detroit like over nearly 230 yards like deandre swift was the engine like he was absolutely uh, fantastic kind of you know well four yards a carry but he was fantastic in terms of what he was having to do against stack boxes and having no help from his quarterback like 114 yards that's just pathetic 4.6 an attempt like come on like it's just a situation where you know the the Lions were obviously trying to do everything in their power to avoid letting Jared Goff have any influence on this game and you know to be fair it did mean that they got the try so maybe not the worst situation but yeah they also got some nice contributions uh, from Godwin Ijubuke and Jamar Jefferson um, in spots I think one of the caught a couple of long TDs from that so for for Detroit Look, they're desperate for a win. They're going to do whatever they have to win, and that's fine. Uh, and yeah, like they kind of got lucky in overtime here. But overall, you know, like at, at least they had something to, to cheer on. Whereas on the side of uh, Pittsburgh, like you had Mason Rudolph come here, like his overall stats aren't too bad 278 TD int, but there was a lot of throws that were right there for the taking, and that there were opportunities for yards after the catch that he just straight up missed. There was just you know someone cutting out especially when the guys were cutting out to the sideline uh he just seemed to sail it over them like five six seven eight times in this game 
and leaving guys like Deontay Johnson on the shelf effectively. They are missing Juju Smith-Schuster. They did miss Cleach Klubel this game. Uh, so, you know, it's not like it was their top level uh, talent out there. But still, against a Lions defense that has been absolutely eviscerated at times this year, completely unforgivable. And look, the end of this game, like the, the most of this game was bad, but the end of this game was truly ridiculous. Like you had five straight punts to end regulation. Just neither team, like it started raining and neither team looked like they wanted to do anything. Just like wanted to, 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 to you know, turn over and die. And then they get to overtime and then Pittsburgh uh, on their on their first drive, they have a bit of a spark. They get a big, a big pass to Deontay Johnson. He's running down the field and then he fumbles the ball. And then you're like, okay, Detroit, you've been given the hand of God is intervening your side they get into field goal long field goal range and the kicker who you know is just some random guy like ryan santoso like he looked like he didn't want to kick for anything he was like get me out of here what am i doing here uh and he uh you know very much shanked the hell out of that ball one of the kind of worst uh field goals that you'll probably see this year and so okay we're back let's you know, exchange a couple of punts. And then finally, like Pittsburgh, it's the final chance. And you're like, okay, they're finally moving the ball down. And then Friar Moose, who's been a, you know, relatively good bright spot for them in recent weeks. He fumbled the ball in a, you know, in a terrible situation to kill any chance of them winning this game with eight seconds left. So, you know, both these teams probably had a chance to win. They had enough that they could have put up more points if they'd just been a little less, you know, shitty when it mattered. But in overtime and in the end of this game, they obviously proved beyond that that neither of them deserved to win this game. So I think a tie was a perfectly cromulent outcome for this game. <laughs> and uh, I think we can all be happy that both that the Lions have the chance of going 0-16-1 uh, and one, and that the Steelers now are our great hope for the 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one season. Go well, my children, and, and feast and give us what we want at the end of the year. Yeah, I must say that was, uh, like I said, it was it was one of the more compelling ones. Still wasn't a good game. <laughs> uh, New Orleans at Tennessee, 21 to 23. Uh, this was a bit of a weird one. Tennessee survived a tough battle as Simeon decides to kind of turn it on the back half, 298 yards and two touchdowns to move them from uh, 6 to 20 to making it this close. They failed on a two-point conversion and New Orleans offense struggled without Kamara, although Ingram kind of did his party, went over 100. The Tennessee offense kind of sputtered away and just didn't look fantastic. Tannehill was just over 200 yards. There was a big Marcus Johnson play, but like there wasn't really much in here. The Tennessee D was what kind of kept them in the spot they were. There was a fumble and four sacks. But like, I don't know. Like I get that they've got it wrapped up, their division. They're in the playoffs anyway. And that look, that they'd hope to have Henry and Jones back and stuff for that. The Tennessee... We gave them a, we, we 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 all picked them for this game. We said, look, they were great last week and they were better than we were expecting. And like maybe maybe what it is is just this New Orleans team, while a bit talent poor, is very well coached and they do know how to put like pressure on quarterbacks and they do know how to run a defense well. So maybe maybe this is more a reflection of New Orleans defense being able to hone in on Tannehill's limitations. But this Tennessee team that we saw in this game to me didn't look like the Tennessee team that you know won last week or the Tennessee team that would you know in your head make you go oh there's a there's an AFC contender yeah I don't know it looked shaky to me it looked like they're going to make it to the playoffs and then they're going to get their players back and hopefully that fixes it but I would be worried about these Titans if this is what it's going to look like like 200 yards out of your out of your quarterback is not a way to win games 
well, except in this case, obviously, <laughs> factually, yeah. that's not true. But like, look, like I think this is a game where, like, look, I think respect to the New Orleans defense, it is one of the better defenses in the league. I think Ryan Tannehill has really not been at his best this season. Even as they've won these games, he's very much been the passenger on first the Derrick Henry train and more recently the defense train. And so I think in a game where, you know, there was an opportunity for him to step up and become the leader of this team, he, he failed that test. But he didn't make any mistakes, he didn't turn the ball over, and he kind of played within himself to a large extent, but you know, they trusted that their defense could keep Trevor Simeon contained, and for the vast majority of this game, they were correct. They were up by a fair amount going into the fourth quarter, and only really uh, a Trevor Simeon kind of going at it in the second half give them any chance at all. So given the game script, I can forgive that. But of course, if you're handing the ball off 11 times to Dante Foreman, 8 times to Adrian Peterson, and uh, you know it's not really going to be the best situation. You're not getting much out of your run game, and that proved to be true, less than 3 yards to carry. And AJ Brown was obviously getting absolutely wrapped up by Marshawn Lattimore, and also getting some safety help over the top. Now, Marcus Johnson was the one guy who took advantage of his opportunities there. Dante Foreman had a couple of nice passes at least. But look, there's very little outside that. Like you're requiring like guys at Westbrook, Ikeen and Chester Rogers. Like they're not guys who are going to get open very easily. So I can completely understand Ryan Danahill just taking what's there and living to see another drive and not giving New Orleans short fields and making them do it the hard way and that made sense for me so you know these are the you know you know these are the games that, that, that win championships and stuff like that like sometimes you just need to grind it out and I think fair play to Tennessee for being able to do that on the other hand New Orleans Saints like look obviously Tennessee's dealing with the post Henry situation the Saints are still figuring out the post Jameis situation look Trevor Simeon he is what it is he, he you know he's not going to win you a lot of games by himself but he it doesn't make too many mistakes and you're obviously they're mixing in Taysom Hill more and more each week as he gets back to health and he had a couple of nice cameos here but I think Trevor Simeon has earned the chance to continue to be the starter for this team even if it's not the most inspiring outcome and the defense is very good we know that Marshawn Lattimore as you said kind of basically obliterated AJ Brown from existence in this game they got a couple of sacks uh, a few key hits but like you know there's only so much you can do when you know your your offense doesn't give you anything for three quarters of the game and keeps putting you out there and you eventually break eventually uh, as has happened here I think you know missing Kamara basically takes out 80 to 90 percent of the offense that they've been running for most of the season and look to be fair to Mark Ingram he did pretty well in spot duty over 100 yards and a touchdown but when you're throwing to Deontay Harris, Traquan Smith, Marcus Calloway these are not guys who are gonna win you games overall so to the Saints right now they're incredibly limited by the personnel that they have available to them, but I think it's a testament to Sean Payton as a coach that they continue to go out each week and be competitive. And I expect that given the situation in the wildcard spot in the NFC, that they will probably still be hanging around and, and most likely, I think, be in the NFC playoffs at the end of the season. But in terms of going any further than the wildcard slot, it's very hard to see given all the limitations they're operating with right now, even if they had Alvin Kamara back. So big win for Tennessee, continue their run for the Saints. Look, they're going to have a lot of games like this. I don't think they're going to blow out anyone between now and the end of the season. This is going to yeah. keep trucking and hope they get the, the luck go their way a bit more on these two-point conversions going forward. Cleveland and New England. This is a surprise to everyone, apart from me who picked New England to win. 7-45, to 45. even I wasn't expecting that. The New England <laughs> hype train starts to gather... A big head of steam as Mac Jones throws for three touchdowns and looks very tasty in this game. Like a lot of anticipation throws, a lot of throwing guys open, a lot of just confidence in like the back shoulder one over to the left-hand side. The the touchdown to, I think it was a Kendrick Bourne, we just threw it yeah, right up. Like good. it was very, very impressive. And the Cleveland D just didn't, didn't really know what to do. Uh, the run game got going. They had 114 and two touchdowns with Stevenson. 
they game planned perfectly around the strengths of Cleveland. They had the speed of Bosgard kind of get in his way, make sure that they were throwing dump offs to areas where he was meant to be covering if he wasn't rushing and stuff. It was very, very smart maneuvering that did it. While the New England defense after, let's be honest, a very shaky first series or two, then kind of came on an interception, five sacks, 10 QB hits, and only allowing a little over 200 yards. Uh, Baker just went into the tank here and just couldn't figure it out, got in his own head, and then just started making mistakes. Uh, 73 yards of touchdown and interception before getting knocked out of the game late. Jonas Johnson did good, but I suppose he fucking had to. 100 yards for him, but like... This was meant to be a game about an AFC contender taking on a team in development, and that's still true, just reversed is how it looks like. It looks like New England are ready to fucking go for it and take a run at their division in Cleveland look like, well, maybe next year's their year. And I get, look, this is probably more of a reflection of all the injuries that they have and everything, and they do occasionally just throw up these absolute stinkers, but New England had their number from the get-go pretty much, and yeah... This was a pretty, pretty, a pretty good one in the column for Mac Jones in that Rookie of the Year discussion. Dismantling so comprehensive that you kind of come to the conclusion that the New England coaching staff understands the Cleveland scheme on both sides of the ball better than the Cleveland Browns' own coaching staff themselves. It was truly just a outside of the like maybe the first like half of the first quarter, uh, an end to end. Uh, obliteration and nullification of an entire team uh, again and again and again and if you're a Cleveland fan it was an incredibly dispiriting thing to happen like we know that the Patriots are, are capable of doing this and Bill Belichick he is obviously one of the uh, if not the most uh, powerful NFL mind uh, in NFL history most likely so this can happen to you but the way it happened still is just so devastating for Cleveland like I think Baker who, who had that like nice jump last week maybe he's getting back on track no this week absolutely smothered by the New England defense five sacks 10 QB hits only around 200 yards allowed in total and most of that went to Dernish Johnson you were seeing ghosts out there to kind of paraphrase a, a previous quarterback who suffered under New England's defensive scheme was basically getting hit all the time and eventually those hits came to a guy who's already suffering injuries and he got knocked out and then Case Keenum came in and basically looked just exactly the same so it wasn't a situation where hey the QB's hurt that that's what the reason it's just New England knew this offense better than Cleveland knew it themselves and maybe they could have just could have handed the ball off the entire game the Browns and it would have been a better outcome than what they actually got in this game and then yeah on the other side as you mentioned they just seem to take a Browns defense which people have been you know rating pretty well this year it's definitely had games where it's shown itself to be a, a good defense and absolutely dismantled it as you mentioned they just seem to understand exactly the weaknesses of the best players in that team in particular miles garrett and to ruthlessly exploit them again and again and again like i think you know you're probably referencing mostly that uh uh, the the screen pass where basically yeah it was literally thrown into the the space for the running back that brought like that uh miles garrett was supposed to occupy and it just looked like like they just <laughs> had your number completely and so if you're a new england fan you know the pieces are coming together the defense is getting back to to you know close enough to where what you know where it's been in their championship winning uh games it's probably not quite there but it's certainly uh, not too far off and the offense under mac jones this was a really good pickup game where he was really efficient slicing and dicing the cleveland d where he needed and making those really good anticipation throws you say that are you know the signs of progress 
progress and the things that none of the other rookies are doing right now. They're all kind of, you know, wait in the pocket, run around, see if something emerges. Mac Jones understands his offense. He runs his offense. He is the master of the offense. And, uh, you know, that's obviously really exciting to see not only this season, but going forward. And then in Ramondre Stevenson, they get a powerful back who makes your life hell. So, uh, you know, a, a backfield of him and Damian Harris, that's a two-headed beast that will keep wearing you down for entire games. And you kind of wonder, well, how are we going to stop this? So for New England, it's hard not to get worried if you're a, an NFL fan or an AFC fan in particular, because New England, we know that traditionally in the Brady era, they got better as the year went on. They're picking up that steam. They're beating teams who are no pushovers. And yeah, uh, definitely one to keep an eye out as we come forward. Uh, I'm sure if they put up another couple of performances like this, by the time Sean gets back, he'll be absolutely tumescent to, to describe how brilliant <laughs> this Patriots team is and rubbing his hands in glee. Yeah, it's a pity actually that he's not here to discuss it because he did pick against them last week, which was interesting. And as he said, it's all a little bit one-sided. Of, of of the remaining games, there's only two that were within a score. Yeah, so I think what we'll do is we'll pass off to Fitz now to, uh, to do this week's dump off, a bumper edition. Yeah, a fair amount this week, but like, look, uh, Minnesota, first up, Minnesota, the Chargers, 27 to 20. Look, it's a game we could probably discuss a bit more, but it kind of felt, you know, like the, these two teams, we talk about them a lot, and we're not really sure that either of these teams from this will end up being more than we expected. Like, look, Minnesota, I think for them, the big thing in this game is that they fronted up on uh, two key fourth down plays. Um, their touchdown drive, where they went for it to, to get the touchdown, and they put them ahead, and then on their final drive, instead of giving the Chargers a chance to come back, they went for it fourth and one, they got it, and they killed off this game. And for a, you know, for a coach like Mike Zimmer, who has traditionally been very conservative, to see him take on maybe some of the lessons from Brandon Staley, who himself was relatively conservative by choosing to go for the, uh, the, the three instead of going for the seven on his final drive, that is good to see. That's progress. I think to a certain extent, he might be, given everything that's happening in his life, um, he might just be at the fuck it, I don't give a damn anymore stage of it. And I'll be interested to see what that looks like as we go go forward. I think there's literally a, a text from to his grandchild that was something like, I don't want to do this anymore, uh, that came up a few weeks ago. So, hey, let's see if <laughs> Riverboat Zimmer is coming up. But like, look, in terms of what they actually did in the field of Vikings, like Min- Cousins had one of his good games, then he yards, two touchdowns, he kept calm in the pocket from the, the Chargers pass rush, and he found Jefferson in particular for nearly 150 yards, just relying on the play action, relying on what's out there, not do, not extending himself and, you know, finally getting back to kind of some of the form we saw earlier this year, and Cook continues to rumble 118 yards and a touchdown. So, look, I think if that offense could just not make mistakes, then they should be okay and be competitive in these games. On the other hand, like, look, the Chargers, they made their own mistakes. Uh, Herbert, he had a touchdown, but also an interception. Um, he continues to, you know, kind of be frustrating this year because you obviously still see those flashes of him being a truly elite talent, like up in the Mahomes and the Josh Allens, but rookie mistakes, routine mistakes in this uh, Joe Lombardi scheme, and you're kind of wondering, like, you know, is this going to get consistent? So is this going to grow into a consistent offense at some point, or are we going to get this back and forth all year? And yeah, as I mentioned, you know, he wasn't helped by the drops. Mike Williams is obviously out there. He's playing hurt, and it's definitely having an effect on him compared to his early season form. But to a large extent, Minnesota controlled the clock. They controlled the possessions, and therefore uh, they kind of didn't give Herbert enough time to really uh, punish them too much. And as I mentioned there, Staley was a bit more conservative than expected. Uh, kind of unusual for a guy who's known for being very aggressive. Next up, Baltimore at Miami, 10-22. to A shock win on Thursday night. Uh, which we could discuss more, but it was a terrible game for like 90% of it, where basically it was 6-3 going into the fourth quarter. You know, obviously a defensive slugfest that neither team was making much headway as Brissett is Jacoby Brissett, and therefore not very good. And Lamar Jackson was being held in check by a very 
idiosyncratic defensive approach. Effectively, Miami were blitzing on nearly every single down, but a very controlled blitz, disciplined blitz, for lack of a better term. Like they kind of almost were kind of almost like if you like a military formation where you're trying to surround the, the other the other army. It was like that each time, and then obviously eventually with a blitz you you get through. Uh, but they basically said to Lamar, hey, pass, do quick passes well against us. And given that they have like Xavier Howard and Byron Jones on the outside, and they can play man to man for most of this game, it didn't work for Lamar. Um, he did have a couple of big chances, and there was like, definitely a couple of big missed. Uh, chances from his wide receivers that he would love to get back but overall the defensive scheming from Miami was impressive and considering uh, where you know like, considering where they've been recently it's good to see their defense get back to where he expected to be on the other and like, obviously then in the fourth quarter that's where the big kind of the, the dam broke for for uh, Miami they got a big fumble which uh, was returned for a touchdown by Xavier Howard they got another turnover as well in the fourth quarter uh, to kill the game off overall a defensive win for Miami. Look, Tua, uh, I think, you know, for, for, for Miami on the offense, like, the big controversy is that Brissett was pulled for Tua during this game, even though Tua is obviously playing with injured finger, but he was actually okay, Tua. Definitely better than Brissett, so I think, you know, just play Tua for a full game, for fuck's sake, Miami. Like, stop this in-and-out bullshit. Just let, let the kid learn. I, like, and you might actually have something there. And just to mention the really cool near TD for the offensive lineman that was pulled back for a flag, but, uh, you know, flipping over as, like, a 300-pound 300 300 offensive lineman, pretty cool scene overall. All right, let's these games are probably a little less interesting. Uh, 34 to 10 win for Caroline over Arizona. Obviously a shock win, and Cam got those two touchdowns as we mentioned to go line. I think the big story for Carolina is they have CMC back in 161 yards, and their defense is stepping back up to its early season form. It had two turnovers, two turnovers and downs, four sacks, only 170 yards allowed, and you know they had a 20 to zero lead at the half. It basically was over at that point because uh, you know Colt McCoy looked like a backup, which after having that you know surprise success against San Francisco but he was bullied out of this game constantly under pressure and he was getting zero help from the run game which was less than four yards of carry and the defense had like that pick against pj walker but that was it zero sacks zero pressure not really doing anything and uh, maybe they are missing jj watt outside the ball but yeah pj walker the quarterback in theory for this one he wasn't great he was fine i expect cam to be starting for caroline next week for arizona the sooner get kyler and hopkins get back the better rams at san francisco 10 to 31 another shock win and this time on Monday Night Football. And San Francisco did it in a very traditional Shanahan way. They ran the ball a lot, uh, 156 yards. I think they're like 80% of their snaps were runs in the first half. And then in the second half, the dam broke in the yards after catch came, particularly for Devo Samuel, who had 133 yards and two touchdowns in total, including a few from a couple of sweeps that went really well. And they were able to do that because Matt Stafford, uh, 242 yards and two at the TD, but two early interceptions that put them in a hole um, that basically San Francisco never let them get back out of. Defense played really well and contained them, and outside of some like late plays to Cooper Cup, basically the offense was pretty anonymous uh, overall and very much worrying because like this Rams team seems a bit soft. Harry has, has instructed us uh, to call them frauds, and certainly, you know, this was a fraudulent display. They didn't show that they're a championship uh, worthy team. Yeah, for San Francisco, they showed metal, they fronted up, uh, they ran the ball well, they took the ball away from the Rams, and yeah, they looked kind of ordinary. We'll see if the Rams can learn lessons from this, or maybe they're just a, a paper tiger. Uh, Seattle at Green Bay, 0-16, a grim contest, 0-3 to start the fourth quarter, that Green Bay eventually ground out, particularly thanks to AJ Dillon, who 120 yards, two touchdowns, after Aaron Jones went out after a couple of nice uh, screen plays. The, the Seattle defense is improved, it's definitely better than it was uh, last year or early this year, but eventually the dam had to break. Uh, and Rodgers eventually, you know, he had nearly 300 yards, so he only had one pick. 
Uh, he was definitely rusty, but eventually the dam broke. And AJ Dillon is a great dam buster, to be fair. Leader to see what he looks like in the weeks where Aaron Jones is not available. Big story for Seattle, obviously, is more on the offensive side. Wilson had 161 yards and two bad interceptions. He looked awful. He looked unhealthy. He didn't seem to be able to treat. He was out of sync with the offense, obviously, kind of rusty himself. And he was inaccurate. As obviously, I think, you know, it's hard not to suspect that his finger is not fully healed and he's trying to do things that he's not able to do right now. And for an offense that was already incredibly inconsistent when he was in there early this year, it didn't get much better obviously putting up the zero here uh, the first time that's happened under russell wilson so look like that the red zone t turnover in particular is particularly bad to take uh, but they refused to run the ball uh, which is unusual and, and you know they probably you know, got what they deserved here uh, in green bay get a you know not a win that they'll look back with fondness but one that will be important at the end of the year next up kansas city at vegas 41 to 14 nice inversion there Mahomes back to his best Connor 460 yards five touchdowns finding Darrell Williams for 154 like well between running and, 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 and passing 143 yards touchdown the touchdown particularly classic Mahomes throwing up a contested catch yeah. the guy taking it down from Kelsey had a touchdown 100 yards Hill had two touchdowns nearly 100 yards they were gobbling up yards and TDs and you know they had no in turnovers uh, the second game in a row amazing and even though there was a few 50 50 balls could be interceptions overall it looked like kansas city for the first time in what feels like forever looked like the kansas city that we all know and love um on the other hand Carr was crushed uh, by a few opportunistic takeaways from kansas city uh, the pick and then the two fumbles the fumbles obviously not his fault um and they basically were their defense was mostly non-existent for this kansas city are top back at top of the afc west is there a revival income i'll hand over to you briefly connor to, to give your opinion ah, look i think it was good i still think there was mistakes made yeah the scoreline's good i think we could have played a bit a little bit cleaner at certain times but the defense is looking an awful lot better like it was it was good it wasn't great i don't massively rate the raiders at the moment i think they're in a little bit of a spin so i'm, I'm, I'm we'll talk about it in the previews i'm more excited to see what happens in this week's game but yeah definitely better and very much the last couple of weeks the defense looking better has been improving the one thing i don't like is that interception was caught by daniel Sorensen. so fuck knows they'll probably resign him for next year <laughs> Then the kind of last few blowouts, nothing too interesting here. Philly at Denver, 30-13. Philly once again, hey, that run game, that, that's pretty good. We should have been using that from the start of the season. Uh, this time, 169 yards, nice. Uh, 6.8 per carry, only nearly 6.9 per carry, but we'll, we'll, we'll take what we can. The thing is, like, you know, if you run the ball well, you set it up the play action, you set up the passing game, and Hertz found uh, Devonta Smith for two touchdowns in this game, and the Philly D basically plunged uh, the dagger into the uh, fairly uh, flaccid... Uh, uh, comeback for, for, for Denver when Gordon fumbled up the ball in fourth and one. That was returned for a TD by Big Play Slay. But like overall, just a very, you know, classic NFL win for Philly. Grind the ball out, use the play action, win that way. And against a Denver team that was incredibly inefficient, one and five in the red zone. And Teddy unable to take advantage of a pretty good run game between that uh, Gordon-Williams tandem. Yeah, it was enough to get the job done. And after that win for Denver against Dallas, very much a reversion to what we expect from Denver. Disappointment. Uh, next up, Jacksonville and Indianapolis, 17-23. Indianapolis, they went up 0-17 early in this game after Taylor was rampant. He ended up with 150 yards in touchdown, but most of that was in the first quarter. But they couldn't just kill this game away. Wentz was very inefficient. He struggled 
uh, to be the main focus point of this team as Jacksonville clamped down on the run game and definitely concerning signs if you're a Colts fan of what future teams can do because Jacksonville obviously don't have the best defense in the league but they might have set a template here. On the other hand, Jacksonville's offense couldn't really take advantage of the opportunities given by their defense in the second half of this game. Lawrence continues to be incredibly unreliable. He had 200 yards and only a fumble. And he failed to take advantage of the fact that Jay Ra like James Robinson's back and he was pretty good. And Agnew had a big play for a touchdown here on the sweep. Yeah, like his fumble was basically what killed this game off, their comeback off. So yeah, like I think definitely still concerns there and worries about Lawrence either not being good enough or Urban Meyer being a bad offensive coach. Depends who you talk to, but uh, at the moment it doesn't really matter because it's not very fun to watch. Atlanta, Dallas, 3-43. Dallas went, uh, remember last week where we sucked? Uh, forget that, we were good again. And they absolutely uh, annihilated a pretty pathetic Atlanta team. Dak moved the ball early at ease, hit 300 yards and two touchdowns, and CD Lamb got the two touchdowns in this case. Basically, the big winner in this game was uh, Dan Quinn on a revenge tour against his former team, getting two interceptions, two sacks, and about 200 yards allowed all game for Atlanta as they absolutely hockeyed Ryan into submission. He had two picks, obviously. And, you know, without Patterson there, the offense, you know, you have Kyle Pitts, he's still pretty good, but he's getting double and triple covered. And it's like, oh, Zacchaeus and Russell Gage and these guys, you know, you know, they just have nothing there in terms of talent outside of Patterson and Pitts and Ridley if he came back, he comes back at some point. Uh, right now, like Ryan is doing everything he can to make this team relevant, but they're not relevant. They're a talent poor team and they're already basically playing for next season. Whether uh, Ryan deserves will be on that team or not is an open question. And then finally, Buffalo at the Jets, 45 to 17. A pretty routine win for the Buffalo uh, Bills. Allen had 316 yards, two TDs and an interception. And I think the big thing for the Buffalo fans is that he reignited his connection with Diggs with 160 yards and two touchdowns. Good to see. Hopefully they can build on that and continue to, you know, do that. But, you know, probably helped that by the pathetic Jets secondary. The Buffalo defense, on the other hand, annihilated the, the legend of Mike White. Four interceptions and a fumble. Mike White looking lost in that game. Without the opportunity to just pass underneath and having to chase the game, he looked like... Zach Wilson, which we, is a we, problem because we, 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 we might bad. need to we might need to cut that audio from a couple of uh, episodes back where Sean said this is the start of something. They'll look back in six years' times and this will be the start of the franchise. I think we're going to have to store that one up. Yeah, I think that's not going to look great in, <laughs> in retrospect. In five look, weeks Joe, to load five years. <laughs> and look, Joe Flacco was brought in in relief at the end of this game, a mercy killing like that. That's where this team was. The, and the, 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 the concept of relief and having to watch Joe Flacco play do not gel well together in my head. Like Buffalo obviously steadied the ship after, you know, some from, from, from choppy waters in recent weeks and uh, the Jets, look, there's nothing for them to play for this year. They probably have to put Wilson back in, see what they actually have there and build for that going forward. But yeah, just another depressing day for the Jets. Uh, obviously, they don't beat all of the playoff relevant teams, it seems. Uh, so that's a dump off for week 10. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay, so uh, we'll take a look at the games for next week. First up, Thursday Night Football, New England at Atlanta. We've gone for New England across the board. Uh, as we were discussing there, Mac Jones is looking great. They're really kind of turning into a bit more of a bit more of a force in the AFC, whereas Atlanta are likely down Corderell Patterson. Ryan is not playing fantastically. They just they just they look a bit limp at the moment. Yeah, it's really hard to see how if they can if, if New England can play the Browns like that, I don't know how they couldn't play Atlanta, who they've played previously and as you may know or may not know, have had some very large scale and notable victories against. <laughs> <laughs> and like I, I see there's some like like I saw a few comments on Reddit saying, you know, we need a 
we need a day where we just don't pick on Atlanta. And they, they suggested that the 28th of March is a, as a suitable <laughs> uh, time for that. But like, yeah, like, look, yeah, like, look, New England are on a tear. We know they're not the perfect team. It's not like the offense is like this uh, high-flying, highfalutin, like, uh, you know, like Randy Moss era New England attack, but it's effective. It runs the ball well. It passes the wall ball well enough. And we're seeing Mac Jones make better and better throws as the weeks go by after having a little bit of a mid-season wobble. So on paper, New England should have this game easily, especially if Atlanta are missing a Cordell Patterson. But look, Atlanta, they've surprised us in previous weeks. They've certainly had a lot more close games than you probably thought they they would have early this year so I never count them out but based on everything that we know right now it's hard not to see New England you know inflicting more pain on the city of Atlanta yeah uh, Baltimore at Chicago you've gone for Baltimore and I've gone for Chicago it's, a, it's an interesting game uh, to a certain extent uh, I think Chicago obviously Justin Fields continues to get a little bit better every week but the offensive scheming still seems to be terrible overall they can't seem to get Alan Robinson involved uh, but they do have David Montgomery back he came back uh, like uh, before the bye um, they have Khalil Herbert in relief who's pretty good um, so they have a template there for having some offense rather than zero offense is what they had we seem to have for a month there um, so certainly they can put it up to Baltimore if they can get that run game going and Justin Fields continues to grow but look Justin Fields is a very very poor man's Lamar Jackson and even though Lamar Jackson has been forced to carry an entire team by himself I think that that scheme for Miami was unique to them I think they had the personnel to make it work I don't see Chicago having that they have a good defense but they don't have those lockdown man to man corners to to make that work in my opinion so I expect that Lamar will get back to his usual self and put up enough uh, enough points here to, to just about take out the Chicago Bears but yeah this could easily turn into a bit of a, a grind fest if that Chicago defense shows up even though Baltimore's defense is pretty bad this year uh, Chicago's offense isn't good enough to put up many points against anyone I don't think we'll see they're coming off the bye so we'll, we'll see what the, what the crack is Detroit to Cleveland we've gone for Cleveland across the board yeah look Detroit I'm sorry it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for you you're going to get one at some point I don't think it's this one I think Cleveland are going to be angry revenge tour Cleveland and they're going to put a lot of points on Detroit in this one not, 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 not a fun one to be involved in Green Bay at Minnesota we've gone for Minnesota across the board what? what? <laughs> I believe we went for Green Bay across the board. I know, but, I know. Uh, I just wanted to give Sean a little bit of a heart attack over in New York. Look, Green Bay, you know, they haven't always been impressive. Like, certainly the winning at Seattle wasn't like, you know, blow your mind impressive. Like, they took, like they, they won a game, they grounded out. But, like, basically, like, every year with Lafleur, they win games that they, they should win. And against Minnesota, they've been usually pretty uh, solid. Like, Minnesota coming off a good game uh, against the Chargers. But, you know, Chargers had a major obvious weakness, which is their run defense is, like, the worst in the league. I don't think Green Bay will be so foolish as to allow uh, Dalvin Cook to go absolutely uh, haywire on them. And that they'll put enough pressure on... Yeah. Cousins to kind of get something out of him and keep him, uh, avoid him being allowed him to be there are, mistake there, free. As, as we mentioned earlier, there are some injuries to this Green Bay defense, which might kind of somewhat limit their because yeah, because because I, I do think it's been it's been understated just how good the Green Bay defense has actually been because everyone focuses on the offense and how great they are, but like this defense has been top tier and uh, and obviously a couple of injuries here and they're away. And it's Minnesota, they have kind of a bit of a back and forth with. But in current form, it's hard to not see Green Bay being able to handle this, right? Yeah, and I think the big the big interesting thing for Green Bay is that Aaron Jones is expected to be out. So, you know, they have a really unique running back in A.J. Dillon, someone who looks... 
you know, kind of like a, a, you know, a, a Derrick Henry kind of like power back who grinds teams out, who makes their life difficult, who breaks tackles, who, you know, can, can like, it's only really interesting to see if they choose to kind of continue on with him as if he was Aaron Jones or like basically pretend that Aaron Jones is not there or they go yeah. to a more aggressive type of game plan. Like, I'm always thinking like, you know, I doubt they'll go away from the zone scheme stuff completely, I see, but it, it almost reminds me that they might have like a Marshawn Lynch situation where, you know, Seattle back in the day, they ran his own scheme but combining that with the power of Marshawn Lynch it really just made defenses of life really difficult so I'm really excited to see what he looks like as the uh, number one undisputed back in the Green Bay uh, situation and to see if he can uh, be uh, you know uh, as effective as he has looked in spot duty this year uh, but yeah. look for Minnesota they obviously have an obvious template you know get Cousins on play action get Dalvin Cook going if they do that then they definitely have a chance and you know their defense hasn't been terrible despite missing a lot of people through injury they have a chance but I think Green Bay for obvious reasons, are the favourites this week. This week. Yeah. Uh, next up, Washington to Carolina. We've gone for Carolina across the board. Super Cam. I think Carolina, their defence, were, were fairly impressed by it this week. Obviously, kind of taking down Cole McCoy. They've mostly been good. They've had a few off weeks, but generally been good. And Heineke, when he's going against good defences, has tended to struggle. And I think, you know, against Washington, he had the advantage that their defensive backs were down to the bare bones. So he wasn't really putting on too much pressure in terms of uh, uh, in terms of getting picked off and stuff like that. So I think Carolina's defence uh, will show up, uh, stifle Washington. And then with Christian McCaffrey back uh, and potentially Cam Newton put in there, I think Carolina's offense, while it won't be spectacular, will be efficient, will get yards, will put up points, and probably a few too many field goals. But overall, I think Carolina, they feel like a team that's more on the up than Washington right now, despite the, their respective impressive wins this week. Next up, Houston and Tennessee. I've gone for Tennessee here. As you said, they're not looking like they're firing on all fours. But like if you want to get a if you want to get a get right game, you, you just go and play what's probably the worst team in the NFL, the Houston Texans, who are struggling away. But they're uh, they're yeah they're just nothing really happening for them whereas Tennessee like these these are the kind of games that they can kind of have a bit of toying around with their offense in them see what they've got see what see, see what see what their other receivers are like see what their other running backs are like kind of use this as a learning experience for the next couple of weeks as they're waiting to get everyone else back I can't really see them not winning that game yeah Indianapolis and Buffalo we've got for Buffalo across the board Buffalo, they, they had that terrible loss against Jacksonville. They get back on track by beating up on their division rival, well, rivals in inverted commas, the Jets after beating Miami a few weeks ago as well. So, like, they're obviously in a situation where, like, obviously I think they're a good team because I have them as my uh, Super Bowl uh, favourite from the AFC. I think, you know, Josh Allen continues to be less good than he was last year, but still a very effective quarterback and their defence is very, very effective. And so I think overall, Buffalo are a more talented team and have had better ups than Indianapolis have had. But look, Indianapolis, they've put the entire offense in the hands of Jonathan Taylor to an extent possibly only see with Derrick Henry on the Tennessee side. And he's been really, really fucking good. Like he, he's really good at football and he's really, he's really uh, blossoming in that kind of like, just give the ball to me 20, 30 times a game yeah. role. And so they have a, they have a, you know, a sliver to victory there, a kind of template for victory there. They've been solid, the Indianapolis Colts all well certainly the last month or two mm. um, after a bad start so you have to give them a chance but I think Buffalo at home with that defence they'll stifle Wentz get a couple of mistakes out of them and then they can get an easy enough win here but I think after beating up the Jets we want to see them do it against a 
you know, somewhat okay team that, you know, we could put our faith in them as, a, as an AFC favourite. Yeah, I get, the thing is, I could see this being a very close game. Because I still don't, I still don't love Indianapolis, but like, they are, they are a good roster. It's just that like, I kind of, I always just expect that Wentz will make a mistake uh, and he will, <laughs> he will ensure they don't win. San Fran at Jacksonville, oh God. Fitz, we've gone for San Fran. San Francisco, you know, like a lot of teams this year, the advice is run the ball. Elijah Mitchell has been very effective as a runner or, you know, effective enough in that zone running scheme to Shannon has, uh, I guess, the poor Jacksonville front he should be able to get enough yards to win this game pretty easily and then dump it off to the Kittle and Debo and Ayuka base and you you should be able to wrap this up like Jacksonville obviously had that big win against Bills a couple of weeks ago but I think that was an aberration Jacksonville are a bad team and will do very little especially on offense I imagine next up Miami at the Jets me and you've gone for Miami Sean's gone for the Jets don't watch this game it'll be awful um <laughs> Yeah, like Miami yeah. coming off a kind of surprise win on Thursday night football. They've got the extra little bit of rest. The Jets at the moment, let's be honest, are an absolute garbage can. They're just not getting anything done. I believe in the coaching of the Jets more than I believe in the coaching of Miami at the moment. But I just think there is actually, even though they're both bad, I think Miami's roster is a little bit better. And it's in division. And yeah, I can just see them causing some issues expect an old uh, if he's even starting Mike White to, 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 to drop an old interception or two in this one next up we have New Orleans at Philly oh last second change coming in over the over, over the science system Fitz yep. decided to swap and join me in backing Philly in this game yeah, like actually, you know, I was thinking about it just there for a second. Uh, I was kind of back and forth this game anyway, and it's obviously between two teams that you know I don't think are like relevant for the playoffs. Like, like there's a chance either of them will win the playoffs, but they're not going to win against uh, yeah, you know, Green Bay or something like that. But you know, I, I, you know, New Orleans are obviously tr- still trying to find their identity after they lost Jameis Winston. Uh, Kamara is obviously hurt. They obviously hope to get him back for this game and kind of feed him, feed him up again. But overall, the Simeon experience has been unsurprisingly quite kind of underwhelming despite the win against Tampa Bay. It's just very much the defense doing most of this work, but I think Philly have shown a very conservative but workable template on offense. Just run the ball, run, 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 play action with with, with uh, Hurts, you know, uh, you know, rushing with Hurts, and it's been quietly quite effective, and it makes you question why they didn't do this from the start. You know, even though I don't trust either of these teams, really, uh, on the whole, I'm willing to give Philly the, the opportunity here to to, to give my trust and and to knock New Orleans off it's like who a couple of weeks ago looked like the team was going to get the sixth seed almost certainly uh, and put them back into the milieu with the rest of the NFC trash yeah and like look Philly are at home it's a bit of a track for New Orleans it's very much a kind of these are these are probably fairly well matched teams I would say so yeah. the coaching's better in New Orleans I'd say the talent on the roster is better in Philly at the moment but um yeah, that's why I give him the edge on that one. But no, interesting. So next up is your pick of the week, the Cincinnati Bengals at the Vegas Raiders. Me and you have gone for Cincy and Sean has gone for Vegas. Yeah, so obviously Cincy coming off their bye after getting uh, thoroughly trashed for, for the last couple of weeks before they got into the bye. So they're looking to get back on track after what was such an exciting start to the season. You know, get all the, the Cincinnatiacs like you, Connor, back on, back, on, back on board the hype train. Get Jamar Chase back up and running. Get Joe Burrow back up and running. Get them back healthy. And hopefully, you know, protect them a little bit more coming out of the, the bye. I think Cincinnati, we know they're a talented offense. We all love Joe Burrow. We all uh, love Jamar Chase. We, we think Joe Mixon is a very effective running back. 
Uh, they have a couple of other, you know, wide receivers in Higgins and Boyd who are, you know, could be number twos, potentially even number ones in some of the lesser teams. So they have a template definitely good on 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 uh, offense, and their defense, at least for a while, looked really solid. Like it wasn't the most flashy defense, but it was workmanlike. It got sacks from, from we had good coverage, and we want to see that defense come back because the last couple of weeks it seemed to get a breakdown or got figured out or whatever. You know, we have more trust. I think overall that Cincinnati have talent there that can be used to turn this team around and turn them into a genuine AFC contender. Whereas Las Vegas right now, they're they're not a very talented team overall. They obviously have a lot of like questionable players who they, they drafted highly over the years, some of who have who've got a little bit better this year, some of who continue to be bad. But they're a team overall that's spinning in the wrong direction. Now given everything that's happened to them you can't really blame them for that uh, but we've seen this in previous years with the Vegas Raiders as well where in the back half of the season they've stopped doing things they've fallen apart they, they lose for long stretches and it just feels like the Vegas Raiders are currently skidding into something that I like now so if Cincinnati can get back on track against a you know an AFC rival that would be a huge success for them and it would be good to see that happen Vegas yeah I just yeah, their defense looks bad again. Their offense looks questionable again. Overall, yeah. just a team you can't put any trust in right now. Like the key, the key with the Raiders is just to put some pressure on Carr. He doesn't really respond well to it. And Cincinnati's defense, although they'd had, as you said, two kind of down games before the bye, had been a pretty good unit at kind of putting pressure on them and staying pretty pretty good in coverage as well. So yeah, like I'd, I'd imagine they'd be able to have that. They're coming off the bye, which is good. It kind of negates some of the travel elements. And Vegas, to be honest, they're on a bit of a slide and they've just lost in their building. And this might be another loss in their building. And like, it's just got that feel of they kind of by about halfway through the game last week they felt a little bit like they were their morale was kind of gone entirely yeah and i could well see that happening again against like this is a cincy team that when it's on can can score like and like the old cheese teams in like two plays if they want and i think that that kind of stuff doesn't play well against uh or that the vegas raiders don't really deal well with that when that happens they can find it very disheartening so yeah since for myself arizona at seattle we've gone for arizona across the board we're getting kyler back this week i'm guessing the expectation is that Kyler will be back and the hope is that DeAndre Hopkins will be back. But obviously Kyler is the essential piece there. I think they could make do with Kirk and uh, Moore and AJ Green if they had yeah. to. Uh, so look, for Arizona, obviously a really embarrassing uh, loss this week to Carolina, a team that you know is, is solid at best. They get Kyler Murray back. Obviously, they're hoping he's healthy. We saw last year, at the end of last year, when he was unhealthy, that he was anywhere near the same quarterback and they dropped a bunch of games. But of course, they're going against Seattle, who have the exact same problem. Like Russell Wilson's obviously coming off his finger injury. He looked inaccurate. He looked out of sync. He's going to have to show that he can get back into this game. And, you know, considering the deficit of talent that Seattle have relative to Arizona, you know, outside of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, the rest of the offense is looking pretty bad right now. Their left tackle, mm. Dwayne Brown, got hurt in the game. He's questionable for this game. He's He's just generally been pretty poor this year. And so, yeah, the offense put up zero points. And even against the, an Arizona offense that obviously didn't really do much last week, I just see Seattle struggling a lot, even at home. Um, so overall, I think Arizona, uh, because of the talent, difference in talent overall, and just Russell Wilson, I want to see it before I believe that he's back. Back, I, I would put them favored right now. But a lot of uncertainty over both these teams. What, what, what do you make of the Russell Wilson performance coming back after the screw removed? I know that like... You know, he's big on his social media about him coming back and him feeling great and all that kind of stuff. But like, 
this was a this was an injury that in theory he might have been gone for a couple more weeks with, and yeah, he definitely four, didn't look like he was playing a hundred percent. He wasn't like this is the uh, he came back after four weeks for a six to eight week injury. Look, it's Russell Wilson. He obviously has a you know if, if I if I believe in it, it will come into being kind of stuff uh, like type of uh, approach to life. But it, I think it's just a sign of an, an organization right now in Seattle that's weak. It's a it's a management that doesn't have any control because the ownership obviously is kind of in flux. It's uh, the owner died a couple of years ago. It's a quarterback who obviously kind of threw his weight around in the off season uh, looking for that trade, and it just feels like the end of an era in Seattle. I've talked about that you know mm. many weeks ago, and just to see him come back early against what seems now his the better judgment of everyone involved in this organization just seems indicative of, of, a, of a situation that's not going to get better this season and Arizona despite the, the kind of injury flux they're going through at the moment they managed to win that game in San Francisco with Colt McCoy uh, they just seem to be in a better place right now even with that loss to Carolina it'll be a tough one but I do I, yeah, I find it hard in this scenario to see past Arizona unless you know the loss last week is a big turnaround moment for Seattle and they kind of change a lot up next up Dallas at Kansas City this is my pick of the week yeah I've gone Dallas you've gone Kansas City and Sean's gone Dallas it's a tough one to call the problem I have is that like I think some of the defense stuff has improved I don't think enough of it has that like a team with this kind of wide receiver core is gonna I think still shred our secondary that said I'm quite confident now that our offense will be able to get back on pace and actually be able to hang with them a bit it's just i'd imagine i'd imagine them being able to get that opportunistic extra little bit on defense than we would now that said if we can get one we've seen the last two weeks the remarkable difference of having Ingram the outside jones on the inside and clark on the other side like just what that is as a unit is so much superior to even just the couple of snaps when Jones bounces outside now because of what they do as as a threesome rather than as kind of you know at all times one of them playing out of position essentially so that could that could help it it's at home which is a plus I am kind of half talking myself into swapping my pick back to Kansas City here (laughs) but the problem is, like, your bets, stay you, happy, lo- you look, you look at how good this Dallas team performed last week. How easy it looked for Dak Prescott. How much, like, the run game should be able to eat us up because we're still not great against the run. Like, they should, in theory, be able to manage their way to to, to just game uh, game plan wise be able to put this out of out of our control. That said, I think Andy Reid is a bit more kind of up and down at times on things but i definitely think in a in a wits on wits match i'd take him over the uh over the dallas head coach in a heartbeat but i do think that dallas have that kind of solid guaranteed performance roster elements that can just be used to bank against like if you just keep running zeke elliott you're probably going to be able to control the clock a lot and then that's going to have to open up they have three wide receiver ones so yeah i just yeah i think i'm expecting this to be a very good game and really exciting to watch but i'm not sure if we're going to be able to pull it out the lighted up hope that uh, this could be the kind of shootout that we've kind of been missing from Kansas City this year, week mm-hmm. for, year for most of it season, like that's kind of would be fun to see just once, you know. Like I think, obviously, what we saw against the Vegas Raiders was very encouraging. If you're a Kansas City fan, I think Dallas's defense has really talented pieces they have trevon Diggs, they have micah parsons but they're not an unstoppable unit they have you know they are certainly using players out there who aren't you know top of the nfl by any stretch either along the defensive line in the linebackers uh well linebackers for the strong position but in the defensive backs either so 
if if Kansas City do their homework, there are weaknesses to exploit there. And, you know, obviously they have Dan Quinn there. They're running a scheme that's fairly similar to what uh, the Vegas Raiders were running for a long time, uh, though it's a, mm-hmm. it's a slightly different this year. So in theory, Kansas City, with the talent they have, should be able to put up points. I think Dallas, they also, we know, can put up a lot of points. And I think it's interesting you mentioned Zeke Elliott there. Like the last couple of weeks, they kind of gone back away from the run game yeah. after being absolutely dominant for about a month there, particularly in, in like in October. Um, so it's interesting to see them put the, the, the pressure back on Dak because I think it's definitely a pick up, pick your poison situation for any defense that comes against Dallas. And I think if, you know, if we get a Dak versus Mahomes showdown where both of them, you know, take advantage of the matchups, take advantage of the huge talents that they have available to throw to that this yeah this could be a really exciting game and i think overall i don't i'm not shocked that you guys have gone for dallas but you know i'm willing to get back on the kc train a little bit early uh put my faith in it that that that, that they're officially back back and yeah as long as we get a fun game it's not too bad uh, but yeah kansas city i think uh, they're back atop the afc west now it's time to rock it off and, and win that division easily going up from here onwards Sunday football, Pittsburgh at the Chargers. Uh, we've gone for the Chargers across the board here. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to feel weird about picking the Chargers. They <laughs> kind, of, kind of keep letting us down a little bit. Like, they are kind thought of... thought you changed, man, and you haven't changed at all. You're still the same Chargers. They are the same Chargers. It just looked a little bit different at times. But yeah, no, it's just it's shaky as fuck with them at the moment. Pittsburgh's defense is great, but as we said, there's a couple of injuries coming to it, so I think that's going to harm them. Pittsburgh are on the road for this one. We're not sure who's starting at quarterback uh, at the moment, I don't think. But probably Big Ben. Probably the, Ben, but like I also like I'm not sure that there's a huge difference between the two. I think he's probably a tiny bit better. Particularly if he's in any way kind of injured, he might not be. You might just be a, a wash for that. Whereas the Chargers, Chargers are going to charge, but like they've got to be able to do this. Like they've got they've got a good defense. This is not a good offense from Pittsburgh. They've got a good offense, and this is a decent but now injured defense from Pittsburgh. You got to hope that Herbert should be able to carry them in a game like this. But it is. Prime time, it is at home for themselves. Like maybe the maybe the lights are too much. Like they still haven't fixed their fan problem, right? So there's going to be like seventy five percent Pittsburgh fans. Team like the Steelers, there's gonna be a bunch of fans. Yeah. They they travel well. And yeah, like look, Pittsburgh have an obvious route to victory because the Chargers run defense we know is bad. So Najee Harris is the one bright spot on that offense overall. Like their offensive line is getting better over the year. That, that's nice. But Najee Harris is the only thing you go, that's great. Like that's he's obviously a, a bona fide kind of running back one already and hopefully going forward. So there is a right to victory for Pittsburgh, but they're just such an uninspiring team and the ceiling on them is so goddamn low that it's just hard to pick for Pittsburgh any given week, especially what the after got they gave up against Detroit this week. Just truly horrendous unwatchable football again and again and it's just a matter of whether their defense can make the chargers equally unwatchable and grind it out i think for the chargers like yeah they're at home i think you know mike williams he's just not where he was previously this year austin eckler has has had a couple of good games but has been up and down uh keenan allen you know solid but but not not really the wide receiver one level we've seen in previous years so overall there is yeah i see a bit of a funk over the la chargers but i think we're hoping that they can break out of that that they can get back to being relevant and that justin herbert can you know have the kind of uh, back half of the season that we were hoping to see for the entire season this year so yeah i think we'll give it to the chargers coin flip game uh, as much out of uh, hope as expectation yeah and then finally monday night football the new york giants taking on the tampa bay buccaneers who you'd imagine are just going to want to get right here and absolutely destroy the Giants. Yeah? 
like you say that, but like they they nearly beat the Chiefs. Uh, they they beat the Raiders. Obviously, both their teams that they're relatively Didn't low. Nearly beat us. Well, they had, <laughs> they, they were three behind you. Whatever you know what I mean. Like they they beat the Panthers a few weeks ago. So like they're not they 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 you know they're coming off a few wins. They've looked a bit better in recent weeks. Uh, and Tampa Bay obviously are coming off a couple of bad performances. So mm. you you have to give them a shot here, a bit of respect. But I don't want to watch the Giants. Like, Daniel Jones is just very bad to watch. Like, Saquon Barkley has really, you know, he was briefly good for before he got injured again. Their defense is effective, but very dull. Doesn't really make very spectacular plays. So, mm-hmm. they, they, you know, they, they probably merit consideration that they could win this game. But I don't want to see them win a game. I don't want to see them play much. So, I'm willing to give Tampa Bay the benefit of the doubt that they are the Super Bowl winning champions and that they get it done here against uh, Tom Brady gets it done against the team that he hates most uh, on Monday night. Yeah, well, that seems fair. Yeah, so any crack yourself and any plans for the weekend? Uh, not much. Maybe maybe enjoy going out past 12 before you're not allowed to do that anymore. But, uh... Oh yeah, that's, um, <laughs> that's, uh, that, that, that's gone now, isn't it? That's, uh... Yeah. Hmm. Nothing too crazy plans to say the work thing's kind of coming to an end right now. So mm. next week or two, probably quite enough. But uh, other than that, probably just enjoying, maybe go for a walk. That's about it. Very good. Yeah, no, I'll be working on bits around the house. And yeah, nothing too too wild or crazy outside of that. I don't think uh, be building, build, building some Ikea furniture, you know. Uh, well, we're kind of in that kind of interstitial period, you know. Uh, obviously, some people who really love Christmas will start talking about Christmas. But I think everyone's mm. kind of getting towards... Uh, end of a year hasn't been the greatest year let's just get to the end of this get it done and uh, enjoy some time with the Can't family it's really 2022 already fucking yeah. ridiculous but yeah I suppose that'll wrap us up for, for this week so it's bye for myself bye for Pits bye it's been all four quarters thanks for listening we'll chat to you next week